0: Don't judge a book by its cover. We've all heard it, right? It's sometimes impossible for us to look at something and not judge it based on the way it looks. This not only applies to books, but people as well. Dress a certain way and people make assumptions about you. Is it right to do so? Of course not. We're all unique and should be accepted for who we are. Now think about this in the context of mental health or mental illness. People have sometimes determined that someone's depressed because of their clothing or lack of a smile. But here's the kicker. What if the person looks happy on the outside, but feels miserable on the inside? What if they look like a million bucks, but feel like a penny rolling down the street? Let's talk about appearances and perceptions when it comes to mental health. Welcome, everybody, to the ninth episode of Happy to Fail, the podcast where You and I get to sit down on a weekly basis and get to know each other just a little bit more and at the same time we unite as a group, as a unit to figure out ways that we can educate the community about mental health challenges, about mental illness, because sometimes we'll watch a movie and have an idea of what it's like to live with depression, bipolar disorder, anxiety, but it's not until you actually sit down with somebody that's lived through it that you get to really comprehend just how serious this all is. Because even though we all have the right to live happy, healthy, and productive lives, unfortunately, when you go on social media, when you look around the world, so many people have made the decision to end their lives because they felt alone. They felt misunderstood. They felt like no matter what they did to make a positive change in their lives, people just did not comprehend the severity of the situation. And I know that. I know that as a proud person with lived experience when it comes to mental health challenges. My name is Juan Velas I am from Puerto Rico. And i'm somebody that's on a weekly basis figuring out different chapters of my life that i plan on revealing to the world because i know that just by listening to somebody that's gone through it we understand things a little bit more we understand that sometimes we can say something with the best intentions but it's not until you realize that wow even though i meant the good with that that actually has negative implications And that led to the development of this episode. But before we talk about the primary topic, this podcast is a weekly journal about my life and it in no way, shape or form substitutes psychological, psychiatric, clinical support. So if you're somebody that you feel like you're in a very vulnerable position, please do not hesitate to contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org. And if you're in Puerto Rico like myself and you want your support in español, contact AMSCA's 24-7 crisis line, known as Lina Paz, at 1-800-981-0023. Make that call and make a positive change in your life. I want to bring up a couple of examples that I feel will really help everybody get better context about how important this is for me because I feel like this is something that I constantly struggle with as a person with lived experience when it comes to mental illness. Let's take you back to your first day at your job, your first day at college, high school, anything like that. Let's go to college right now. And picture yourself walking to that very first classroom. You're looking at everything from the air conditioning to the people sitting. Is the professor there? How is the professor behaving, smiling? You're analyzing every single detail. And based on that, you're coming up with your own conclusions about, is this the right classroom for me? Is this this the right hour for me? Before you even sit in your chair, you're already thinking about over a thousand things and at that point, you're also thinking, if somebody looking at me, the way that I'm dressed, the way that I'm behaving, sh- should I sit down too quickly? But if I sit down too quickly, then what's going to happen? What I mean to say with all this is that it's fine. It's normal for us as human beings to go somewhere and based on first impressions, we, we jump to conclusions. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm saying it's wrong to pretend that does not happen. So that's on an everyday life situation. But what about the context of mental health? In 2019, I feel pretty good. I have had a couple of rough weeks because there's been a lot of work, a lot of decision making, a lot of planning for the future. I've talked about that, making goals, setting goals in a previous podcast episode, but that means that some days I'm able to dominate, to control my anxiety, and I can go out there and I can be super social, I can do public speaking, but some other days before I before I sleep My intrusive thoughts kick in. Maybe I don't get that much sleep. Then maybe I go to work. Maybe I talk to a friend. And you can tell when somebody's looking at you and they're trying to figure out, so what's going on here? Because there's some days where Juan is super social. There's other days where it almost seems like I'm a bother to him. So I realized that for this podcast episode, we can divide this into two different topics. And the first one that I wrote is how people react when they find out you have a mental illness yet are functional. I'm not going out there in the street and just randomly telling people, hey, look at me, I suffer with depression and the the anxiety and the OCD and things like that. I don't do that. I do my job. I spend time with friends. And unless somebody directly asks me, which I have no problem answering topics related to mental health, but it's not something that I obsess about. It's not something that I look to talk about every single second of every day. But With social media, Facebook loves to recommend people. Instagram loves to make sure that, hey, hey, do you follow this person? So naturally, people begin to see things like this podcast that I work on. They get to see the work that I do on a professional level. Curiosity strikes them and they begin to ask, so what do you do and why do you do that? And when I begin to answer, the first things that they usually say are anything from, oh, I didn't know you were sick to oh, really? I mean, you don't look like you have depression. And I'm not saying that this happens in a negative light. I'm not saying that somebody says this with the intention of causing a trigger for me, which a trigger is something that will activate my anxiety or will make me really think about my depression that much more. But it does goes to show that people have a specific idea of when they talk about somebody going through depression, they have to look a certain way, apparently. Think about somebody that loves rock music. Do you think about a certain physical appearance? What about a woman that you absolutely love, that you're like, wow, I have a crush on that woman or that guy? It's fine for us to think about something and immediately get an an idea of what that will look like. We have an imagination. If I ask you right now, what would you love to have for lunch? You're probably imagining the plate right in front of you And once again, there's no problem with that. But when we don't control those things, and most importantly, when we don't sit down about these things and think about them, this can lead to discrimination, to becoming prejudice against people because... You have the thought, but how do you act upon that thought when maybe your your first impression is not so positive about somebody or something? And then the other topic is when you're functional, but the mental health challenges temporarily win a battle, yet those around you sometimes don't take you seriously because you look so good. So if you notice, the first one that I mentioned is based on the, the assumption that people that have mental illness look sick. They physically look repulsive, just down, like you want to just throw them out of your car. The second one is somebody that does look good to me, somebody that I admire, but all of a sudden, that person is saying that they don't feel so well. That person is saying that they need help, yet you physically look at them and go, there's no way this person can need help. Look at that person. They, they look so good. And I've unfortunately had both of these things happen to me because for this, it's important that we talk about recovery. Recovery is that process that all of us with lived experience go through, whether it be for mental health, substance use, but we go through that looking for a self-directed path to make sure that we take control of our lives. But recovery is not a linear path. It's not a race that you make eight laps and you're good to go and you're, you're permanently done, Right. You can be excellent, you can be doing awesome for many, many years, but all of a sudden, something happens. Maybe a loved one passes away. Maybe you start to gain weight and immediately it takes you back to a very dark period of your life and that is enough for your mind to go spiraling out of control. Now think about this. You've developed the necessary tools to, to be able to manage that, to be able to have that self-control. But what if that doesn't work? that's happened to me. And it is really unfortunate because I think this reminds us that there's still a lot of education that needs to be talked about when it comes to mental health. I've said that I constantly struggle with depression. I live with it. It's not something that was cured in my life. I've been off of medication for about 10 years, but that doesn't mean that I, I went off of medication and then I'm cool, calm, and collected 24-7. I have days where I got to tell my wife, you know what? I am really doing bad today. I'm not going to be going out. I'd rather miss work. I'd rather cancel a recording session. I'd rather do certain things because you have to recognize your limits. You have to recognize the tools that you have and whether those tools continue to help you or not. But then on the opposite side of the spectrum, you have people that look up to you. You have people that go, wow, look at how awesome that person is doing. And that can really instill a lot of pressure for a loved one, that maybe you're listening to this right now as a caregiver, as a family member, and you saw somebody that was doing great for months, and then all of a sudden you go like, wait a minute, but but what's going on? You were doing so great. That's what recovery is. Now, I'm not here to say that having a recurrence, that that having that roller coaster drastically go down and then the ride goes out of service. I'm not saying that has to happen, but it can. And when it happens, we can't just be disappointed. We can't just be looking down upon that person. We have to look at that person the same way we did before, but with the mindset of that person needs help. And the most important thing that you can do is to directly ask me. If I have a sudden mood change, if I suddenly behave differently than how I usually do, Just straight up ask somebody, did something happen? Do you need some space? I'm somebody that when I'm going through a lot of anxiety, I don't like to be hugged. The thing that I need the most is to just be left alone so I can listen to some music, so I can work out. And those are the things that help me. So once again, we can sometimes have the best of intentions of helping people. It's happened to me. We all make mistakes, but we got to learn from them something that I was talking about with a friend the other day is, think about our favorite comedians, the ones that their job, their careers are to put a smile in our faces, yet they're no longer here with us because they they closed their chapter. Either they went through a substance use problem because externally, they are the funny people, they are the life of the party, but you don't know what's going on inside there. So if you have a loved one, it's telling you, hey, emotionally speaking, I'm not doing all that great. Please, please, out of all the episodes, we've done nine of these so far, I'd say this is the thing that can save lives. Take that person's comments seriously. I've known many people that have told me, hey, my girlfriend said that she's thinking about suicide or their boyfriend, ah, but they're not going to do it. They're cowards. The first thing that I say is always validate that person's train of thought. Never close that off because if that person is seeing that, that means that person is crying out for help. That person could keep it all inside. But if you hear somebody that is all of a sudden being open about that, capitalize on that. Help that person. Accompany that person. It can be from coordinating a meeting with a psychologist to going to watch a movie to spending time. But that person is crying out for help. But don't assume what they need. Sit down. Sit down and ask specific questions have you thought about this consistently do you have an idea of exactly how you would do this because it allows you to know the severity of the situation it's not just an idea they're actually contemplating it right this happened to me with my mother where many times I would openly tell her that I was going through that and she would actually try to help me but everybody else around was like eh he's just saying that to manipulate you and I would look at them and go like um I, I would love to be manipulating my mother right now or all of you. Believe me, these thoughts that are going through my head right now are in no way a good thing. And then this is the other very important part that we sometimes overlook. On one side, we have our mental illness that is, that is just driven upon our life, whether we like it or not. But then on the other side, we have our personality. We have our preferences. In my case, even though on this podcast, on YouTube videos that I do... Public speaking arrangements. I try to be a funny person. I try to be an extrovert. I try to engage with people. I try to make people laugh because I feel like we should all make each other laugh because that feels just pretty darn good, right? I think we can all agree on that. But that can sometimes rub people the wrong way when they bump to me in the street and I'm just like, hi, or when I'm bonding with friends and I'm not exactly talking every five seconds. I have my days where I can talk nonstop and don't shut up. But for the most part, I'm a very quiet person. I'm I'm the person that when I watch a movie, I rarely react. When I watch professional wrestling, even when it's super over the top, I'm just sort of sitting there. When I play video games, I'm just sitting there having fun, but very rarely will you hear me openly react to things. So, When people see me on the street and presenting, and then when they see me in a very closed off environment, They almost start asking these questions about me, whether I'm antisocial or not. And being an introvert is not the same as being antisocial. Being an introvert means exactly that, that I don't need to be yelling. I don't need to be having 50 friends. I'd rather have five awesome friends that I can really talk about things on an emotional level. Friends that I can text at at 1 a.m., midnight. Hey, I'm going through something. But on the flip side, they can also do the same thing with me. And we sometimes try to judge people so hard because we want to figure them out. But you know how you figure people out? You ask them. Just ask people and maybe they answer. But maybe they don't. And you have to respect that. Think about how many things in your life you've maybe contemplated talking about but are still too afraid to. Maybe some childhood trauma that you went through but you're still too afraid to speak out because people may look at you differently We all have our two faces, and I'm not saying that one of them is good and one of them is bad. What I'm saying is that all of us present one thing, even though there is another side that we've yet to unleash to the world. There's the saying that I brought up previously about fake it till you make it, and I feel like almost all of us are guilty of that, whether it be for, for good or bad, because we present ourselves in the best way possible, usually, when we have control. But there's always somebody out there that's just so tired of of living life through a character. Most of us are tremendous actors because we have to hide what we are within because we're afraid of how people are going to react to us. And one of the main reasons that I felt compelled to work on this podcast episode is that for every Juan, for every you, for every family member that's overcoming this, we have hundreds, hundreds of people That I'm not talking about the frowny faces. I'm not talking about the people that visually look like they need help. I'm talking about the people that have the best smiles, the people that are best dressed, the people that are the life of the party, that when you're coordinating a birthday, your first thought is, oh, I want that person because I'm going to have a good time. Always think about the fact that you do not know what that person's going through. And I'm not sitting here to say that we need to have a double take about everybody or that we always need to overly evaluate everybody. But when we're talking about our loved ones or people close to us, that, that we have an idea of what their life is like. And then you got to see behind the scenes look that, hey, this person is going through a loss. You know, maybe their, their mother passed away recently, but they're only showing smiles. And then you're seeing that this person has not yet accepted that death. You're not going to force this person to talk about that, but always be on the lookout for that person because at some point, there's going to be the perfect opportunity for you to sit down, for you to be able to listen to that person and make a change. Maybe you're going through something right now and you're tired. You are tired of having to hide how you feel because people won't take you seriously. You know one of the best ways that you can wake people up about this is show them the documentary that I'm about to recommend, which is Bipolar Rock and Roller. This is about one man called Mauro Ranallo. It's available free of charge on YouTube. It was made by Showtime, and it tells the story of his struggle with bipolar disorder. This is a man that has commentated fights featuring uh, Manny Pacquiao, Floyd Money Mayweather. This is the five-star commentator. Did you think, there's no way this person can have all these internal struggles, yet he had, he's he been hospitalized over eight times because of his bipolar disorder. He constantly thought about suicide, about ending his life, but he saw a source of motivation, which is the, the career he always aspired to have. And when you're able to sit somebody down and show them that, so people understand that, wow, look at this person. This person has it all, in quotes, because I'm not saying that's the case, but superficially, you could jump to the conclusions that there's no way he can be going through that, yet he is. And I guarantee you, maybe they won't see it immediately, but they're going to be thinking about that because they're going to be wondering, wow, if that person went through all of that, I wonder what Juan is going through. I wonder what my, what my partner is going through. And that can slowly begin to wake people up, but it's going to take time. Some people wake up in moments Some people wake up in years, but in order to be able to change the language, the way that people react, making fun of people with lived experiences when it comes to mental health challenges has been normal for decades. So all of a sudden, changing that culture, we got to make sure that we sometimes may lose a battle, but for every battle that we lose, we win two of them. And that's winning right there. And that's changing in Puerto Rico that's gonna change in your state, that's gonna change in your county, wherever you are. So that the next time that somebody says, oh, but you look so good, oh, there's no way that you can suffer from depression, instead of being offended like I initially was, we can begin to have those conversations. Because if they say that, that means that they care about the topic. That means that they're curious about the topic. And it's our job, whether we like it or not, to educate ourselves To figure out ways, creative ways of making that impact in the community. So, not only do you and me have a better road to recovery, but those that are quiet, those that are afraid to speak out, are going to be, oh, it's time now. Now I'm going to be talking about my story, which is actually going to be the next podcast episode, episode 10. We're going to be doing 10 of these episodes, people. I'm going to be talking about the strategic ways that I began sharing my story because this podcast is a little bit different. I do an episode a week, so obviously I'm going to focus on a very specific thing. But say you're somebody that finally wants to open up with your parents, with your spouse, with somebody, but you don't know how. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. But I'm going to tell you how I began to do it. If you like this podcast or if you think this is helpful for you or somebody else, please consider leaving a review, a five-star review, if you will, on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. Stitcher is where I actually consume a lot of podcasts there. So definitely consider doing that if you like the podcast. You can also like the Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash happy To Fail. I do post clips there so that way if you have a family member that doesn't believe in any of this nonsense and quotes known as mental illness, maybe share a clip and that'll wake them up. Maybe that persuades them to listen to a podcast episode and we begin making a positive change in your life. So, Until next time, thank you for listening. Remember that you matter and take care, everybody.